Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. For this, our ninth episode, we are going to discuss a Disney news story and talk about what we always take with us when we travel. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Scott. I'm Neil. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. There was a story in the news this week that captured our attention related to Disney. The story relates to the Disney streaming service, which is due to become available in 2019. Deadline ran a story about what programming is rumored to be available on the service when it is released. According to the Deadline article, there's going to be several new productions that are going to air. Apparently, there's going to be four to five original movies and five TV series. Among the things mentioned in the article were Don Quixote, a film of that, a Lady and the Tramp film, The Paper Magician, Stargirl, and Togo. And then also projects on there included Our Three Men and a Baby, Sword and the Stone, and Timmy Failure. Uh, on the TV show side of it, there was going to be a High School Musical series, a Monster Inc. series, a Marvel series, and a Star Wars title. And I just wanted to take a couple of moments to talk about this because... I wanted to hear your thoughts on what you would like to happen, or what, what programming you'd like to have on a Disney streaming service, what you look for, and whether or not this article appeals to you in terms of what it says will be available on the ser service. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you. Uh, tell me what you think should be on a Disney streaming service and if you're interested in this stuff. So, when I read the article that we're talking about, I, I was interested, but a little um, confused as to what Disney is trying to do with this. I mean, we already have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have Amazon Prime. I understand they're trying to get some of that market share, but I really don't think there's a need for it. I probably, you know, nothing nothing in the article that uh, talks about what was coming up was really interesting to me. Um, you know, more Star Wars. Star Wars is everywhere. It's three men and a baby. Um, Sword in the Stone. I mean, these these things are not what's interesting to me. And that's fair, uh, but I'd like to hear more about what the original programming is going to be before I commit to another streaming service uh, where I have, you know, one more subscription to to get. Joe, um, what, what streaming services do you already subscribe to? I have uh, Amazon Prime, I have uh, Netflix, and right now that's it. I just canceled a couple other ones, but that's that's all I have right now. And honestly, that's enough for me because the amount of time that I can, I can dedicate to watching any of these shows is not that much. Mm -hmm. um, so again, Disney, obviously they have a lot of resources. They have a lot of back content that they could put onto one of these services, uh, which would be great for, you know, maybe a different target audience where they just want all the Disney programming. But until I see, you know, what some of these new shows are, I'm really not that interested right now. If I mean, I, good. I was I was going to say I wouldn't mind hearing about what some of these are if they came out and said um, here's a new like a totally new IP brand new something that none of us has ever seen before and it interested me maybe like you know Disney's version of Stranger Things for example um, or something like that obviously they don't want to compare the two but you know something like that might get me interested. But when we were talking about things like more Star Wars, High School Musical, Monsters, Inc., it's just, to me, it's not 
what I'm looking for. I really don't know. If if you had to guess what Disney is going to charge per month for the service, what would you say? My guess is probably uh, knowing it, probably either nine ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine a month, knowing mm-hmm. just the market share that they're looking at and how much everybody else charges. I think that's about right. Neil, let's turn it over to you. What is your reaction to this article? Yeah, this it, it, it's probably not something that I'm going to get. It's it's sort of uh, nothing that I read based on what's been released. It got me very excited about it. You know, I think back on the days when uh, you, the Disney Channel and its heyday in, in the uh, early 90s or so, and you think about some of the program that you'd be excited uh, to see, uh, as well as also I think what would be cool to you know to have on here would be – uh, something along where they could bring the parks into uh, into your home. You could sort of like, for example, if they had a special about the opening of uh, Star Wars Land, uh, Toy Story Land, had a little you know behind the scenes feature with some of the Imagineers in the Haunted Mansion. I think that'd be kind of cool to have you know some special type of programming related to the parks, and they could promote the parks and certain events that happened there, whether it be the you know the football event the other weekend. Something like bringing the parks into your home would make me very, very interested. Uh, but as it is right now, I'm sort of, um, I, I feel kind of, uh, I don't really have a feeling one way or the other. I just probably wouldn't. Right now, you, you asked Joe before, I have Amazon Prime as well. I have Netflix, and I also have Hulu I keep. Um, uh, so between those three, I'm probably not going to add another one. Uh, Scott, you have the horror movie service, am I right? That is true. It's called Shudder. Shudder, yeah. I, yeah, see, yeah, I, there's nothing about this that really drew me in tremendously. Uh, uh, so I'm sort of ambivalent to it. I'd be curious I'd be curious as it gets closer and we get a, more details to really see if this is something that I'd want to subscribe to. Well, it's important to keep in mind this service doesn't launch until 2019. So this is very far in advance. Disney itself has not released any statements, so much of this could be... Just plain old rumor or uh, simply untrue. We'll, we'll have to find out. I, I would add that when I think about Disney releasing a streaming service, I figured there would be original programming. But to me, the big open question is what they're going to have available from their archives. Will they have all of their older movies, both animated and live action? Will they have the classic Disney television specials? I remember as a kid, I did not subscribe to the Disney Channel. My family didn't subscribe to it. So I used to love when we would get the free previews. Neil, you remember that? Joe, you remember that? Of course. Sure. Yeah, Disney absolutely. Channel free previews. And they w- I used to love watching Kids Incorporated and Mickey great. Mouse Club. So I-, I would love a Disney streaming service that had all of that available. If they sure. don't have that available and they have just a couple things here or there and no theme park content, to me, that's a letdown. And I, I just, for whatever reason, right now, I have a bad feeling that they're not going to be particularly generous on that stuff. I just, I have a sense that when it comes out, we're going to be disappointed in the archival material that is available on there. To me, they should just release it all from the start. Uh, what is your, uh, Joe, what's your take on, if you had to guess what type of archival material would be available from the start? I really don't think it's going to be much. I, I agree with you on that point. Um, you know, they might open the Disney vault with a couple things, but, uh, you know, just to get people interested. But then, you know, doing the same thing that they do with the Blu-rays, they'll move them in, they'll move them out. I, I don't think it's going to be yeah. anything special mm-hmm. um, that we're looking for. I definitely don't think it's going to be any of the things that we can't find around anywhere else, something like, 
um, you know, from the something from the way back to the 30s or the 40s where they really don't release those very often. Um, and I honestly don't think they're going to have any real programming rela- related to the parks either. I think what the sense I got from the rumors I was looking at was this is really more for original content, kind of a Netflix uh, competitor. And I know they're going to send some shows to Hulu, but one of the things that concerned me when we're talking about original content was the budget they were talking about for some of these series was only for 10 episodes was only about $25 million. Right. That's only two and a half million an episode. When you put that into context, the stranger things first season an unknown, totally unknown property was at least $5 million an episode that Netflix committed to that, not knowing whether it was going to be a hit or anything. So the budget being half that, I I just don't know what they're going to do with that. When I talk about these original content shows, um, and then to get people interested in buying this, when the uh, when I really don't think they're going to put any, not any, but not that much uh, Disney-related material out. I can see them putting out some maybe Pixar sh- uh, movies, um, maybe a couple of the classic princess, you know, cartoon uh, feature lengths, but I don't really see anything else. Yeah, and right now I have I have I have all the Blu-rays for all the classic that I, uh, films that I want to see. Uh, so once you know, I, I guess at a certain point, if this becomes the only way in a streaming level to watch those Disney movies at a certain point, uh, then it would be something to consider, I guess. But in the meantime, I'm happy using my Blu-rays. Yeah. Plus, they you got to figure they're going to still want to generate sales from the Blu-rays, both the sure. regular Blu-rays and the 4K Blu-rays. So they sure. may not have everything available on the streaming service, which I think would frustrate users. You know, the Disney fans are so devoted and knowledgeable. Right? They're going to have serious expectations as to yeah. what they want available when the service launches. That it's it's something that I think they'll be grateful for, but they're opening themselves up to a lot of criticism if they don't have every documentary available and every TV special and so forth. So we'll have to see. This is something we'll definitely pay attention to and continue to report on as the release date gets closer. Neil, uh, why don't you kick off the segment of this episode, uh, which is our feature segment this evening? Sure. So uh, we thought that we would uh, speak about items we always take with us when we are traveling. So uh, we'll go around and here are a few items which we consider to be travel essentials. Scott, why don't we start it off with you? Okay. So uh, some of this might be obvious, but perhaps not. Uh, I would first like to mention that whenever I travel, I always take my regular point-and-shoot camera with me. I think cameras are becoming less and less popular, and people are content using their phones to take pictures. And that's understandable because the technology has improved, and you could take some wonderful pictures with your phone. But to me, there's nothing like the quality that a regular camera gets you. I have a Canon PowerShot point-and-shoot camera. I may have talked about it on an earlier episode, but to me, this is an essential thing no matter where I travel. Uh, In my recent trips to Florida and other locations, I find that the photos I get taken from the camera are of uh, of a much higher quality than the photos I get from my iPhone. And I have the iPhone X, which I love, but to me, it just they, the pictures don't reach the level that you get from the camera. Uh, and I find especially myself- Especially with dark photography, I think it's important to note, especially which is very important in the parks. Yes, dark photography is key. So for me, not only do I travel with my Canon camera, but I always take the battery charger as well, even though the battery life is strong. So that's my first item. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Uh, so my first item is not actually a thing, but it's uh, an app, Google Maps, which everybody knows about. But a new feature they added was 
uh, offline maps. And this is huge for me because as any listener of the show might know, I uh, do a lot of travel into remote areas, uh, national parks and things like that, where you don't have a lot of service, uh, sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose. But um, with the offline feature of Google Maps, you can load up any map you want before you go uh, into these areas, and it will still work. It just it works just like it is online, and uh, you can you know have directions or um, when you're talking about national parks, trails and things like that. If you're doing hiking, it's um, it's actually it's a great thing for travel. I highly recommend it. Neil, before we get to your first app, Joe, a couple of quick questions. One, do you generally prefer Google Maps? Google Maps over Apple Maps? I don't ever use Apple Maps. I only use Google Maps. I mm-hmm. actually prefer Google Maps over um, Waze and any of the other apps as well. I do a lot of driving for my job, and I've used all the apps. Google, for me, I think is the best one. Uh, and with the offline feature, I just think it's even better. So that, that leads me to my s- second question for you about the app which is I know your car has a regular traditional navigation system. Do you right. actually use Google Maps over the navigation system when you're driving somewhere you're not familiar with? Actually, yes, I, which is very funny. I use uh, When I'm driving, I will use the in-dash navigation system, but I know that I don't, it's going to take me a terrible way anyway, and then I will put in Google Maps also uh, and usually follow Google Maps. I only use the in-dash navigation because it has a timer and counter and I have to log that stuff for work. So um, that's really the only reason I put that in. I, I always use the phone with the app. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We should probably uh, talk about that more in depth on an upcoming episode. Uh, I'd be happy to. Neil, let's start, go over to you. Talk about what is one of your travel essentials. Sure. I'm going to start off with a very simple item, uh, and, and most people have some of it, uh, some sort of it one way or another. But uh, I actually, from the vitamin shop, they have the plastic pill container that I really like a lot because it's very flat but deep enough to hold a large pill, like a multivitamin that you might be having. So I bring all my vitamins, and I have that pill case uh, for that so I can bring all, all the different vitamins that I, I take in and keep it in my pocket. So let's say I, I go down for breakfast in the morning. I can then I don't have to return that because it's not going to be uh, an annoyance in my pockets to have based on the way it's it, it's uh, uh uh, designed. So I, I just, for the vitamin shop, vitamin uh, pill container is my uh, go-to favorite, especially for travel where I know I might have to keep it on me for a while. Good recommendation. You know, that's very good. Um, Thank you. Okay, so my second item were Bose wireless noise-canceling headphones. I got these a couple of years ago. Uh, as we talk, I'm actually trying to look on the web the exact name of the model version that I have. I believe it's the Bose QuietComfort 35. Uh, these are phenomenal headphones. The quality of the uh, sound that you get is the best I've heard on any headphones. Uh, this applies both if I'm listening to music or something like a podcast. Uh, the noise canceling feature works tremendously well. If you're in an airplane, you don't have any noise from the airplane if you have the noise canceling feature turned on. Uh, this connects easily through Bluetooth to the devices that you own, but if you don't want to connect through Bluetooth, it does have a plug that comes with the item uh, that can plug into any device that still has a headphone jack. Uh, it also comes with a really uh, nice and well put together case, so you could store your headphones when you're not using them. I uh, made the mistake on a recent trip to Florida of forgetting my headphones at home, 
And when I f- realized I did this and saw everybody else with their own headphones, I got quite annoyed. So I think I'll remember on the future that this is the type of thing that I will definitely take with me. That's Bose noise canceling headphones. And uh, Joe, over to you. Sure. So the next thing I want to talk about is uh, a definite travel essential that some people might not even think about. It's called the Proud Guy Tough Tag. This is a luggage tag that goes on everyone's, you know, your luggage when you check your bags or carry on. This is the best luggage tag I've ever seen. It's been recommended in tons of uh, adventure and travel magazines. It's available on Amazon. It's very cheap. And it has, you know, metal uh, locking tags. It's hard plastic. It stands up to any smashing and, you know, when they're they're handling luggage and everything. And it comes in probably 100 colors. Um, It is definitely the best luggage tag I've ever seen. I I never thought I'd be spending any money on a luggage tag. It's usually used to use the uh, paper ones you get at the checking counter at the airport. But this I highly recommend, the Proud Guy Tough Tag, T-U-F-F. Does it stand out enough where when you're waiting for your baggage at the carousel, you're easily able to recognize it? Is that one of the benefits of it? It can be if you get the if you get a different color. I mean, it comes from you know it starts in black and goes to lime green or something, and you can definitely recognize it when you see it come out. Right. Um, and just the way it, it it's it's really large. It's um, made of hard plastic that goes around everything, so you can definitely see it. Uh, and you know, I, I it's definitely something I recommend. Uh, you would understand if you had one in your hand. Even the box that it comes in, it's like a it's like a fancy. Box. You've never seen a luggage tag like this, but I'm looking at it now. It looks really cool, Joe. It, it's well worth it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely link to those on our products page on stuffwelovepodcast.com. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Joe, good recommendation. Neil, yes, over to you. you. Sure. Um, uh, another thing that uh, I like to carry with me um, is uh, when when I travel or bring with me. Is the I know Scott, you mentioned headphones, which is great, especially for the flight or uh, or anything like that. But um, I'm a big fan of bringing the I have the UE Boom, the portable speaker. Uh, uh, I know Scott, you brought that last time down to Orlando as well. I think this is a great thing to bring uh, as. It's just anytime you're in a hotel room for an extended period of time, you can listen to your music outside of just relying upon it on your cell phone or, or the speakers like that. It's very simple, very easy to bring with you, and uh, it's just great sometimes if you're relaxing to have a break from the TV and put on some music uh, just while you're getting ready or, or anything like that. So that, that's another uh, one of my travel essentials that isn't necessarily an essential but uh, definitely an enjoyment to have with you. Yeah, I agree. The, the benefits of having a Bluetooth speaker with you, especially something like the Yui Boom, when you're in a hotel room and are just relaxing after a day out and about, it's it's definitely a, a must-have for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I was debating what to have as my third item, and now that I'm about to talk about it, it seems kind of lame. But I must say that uh, it's always important when you're traveling to make sure that you you have adequate chargers for all of your devices. Uh, people may not realize that if they go to places like Europe, the outlets are very different, so you need to have adapters that are compatible with that country. But you always have to think about what you're bringing with you on the trip, what items require a charger, and make sure that you have a charger for those items. I really like having one of these chargers that have multiple USB ports, so you can charge an iPad, a Kindle, a phone, uh, perhaps a camera, depending on the type of charger the camera has, all at once. 
those are very helpful. And what I do in advance of a trip uh, is make a list of everything I'm packing, clothes and non-clothes, and then include all of the chargers I need on that list so that when I'm packing, I uh, hopefully remember to take everything with me. So make sure you have adequate chargers with you for all of your devices when you travel. Scott, can I also uh, just really add, uh, quickly add there that uh, uh, along with the chargers, one thing I recommend, especially if you're going to be doing a whole – I know we talk about our Disney trips a lot. If, if you're going to be doing a whole day in the parks and maybe not going back to the hotel or in a place where you're going to take a break, I recommend also getting – you know how they sell – they even sell it in the parks, but if you could get it – uh, beforehand on Amazon or Best Buy, you probably save a couple bucks. Uh, the battery power boosts, where you could, uh, it just plugs into your phone, uh, gives it a little bit of extra juice there. Yes. Um, uh, I think that's an also good uh, a good thing to keep in your backpack along with the chargers and just have it uh, charged and ready to go on your trip. And uh, if you ever feel yourself running low on battery, uh, you could just pop it in there and get a, get a little bit of an extra boost there and it makes you feel a little bit better. Agree. Those are becoming more widely available too. So yeah. a very good, good point, Neil. Uh, Joe, what is your uh, final item for today on the travel essentials? Well, for my final item, um, I, I want to mention two things because one, it's also kind of lame going on with your, uh, your uh, item about the travel chargers is that I always pack a Kindle, obviously, um, and I pack, you know, or an e-reader if you don't have a Kindle. But again, when I travel, I don't want to carry three or four books with me. I want to have just the Kindle and all the books that are on that. Uh, and then you can do what you want with it. But one thing I do want to mention is something that I always travel with, and I learned this the hard way um, a couple years ago, is called the Tide Travel Sink Packets. And what these are is laundry detergent that is made for hand-washing something in the sink. So, again, when I go on vacation, I almost almost always go to a remote place um, to do hiking and outdoor activities where you get dirty or wet or something, and if you don't have enough clothes with you, I use these packets to do literally do laundry in the sink, and they're dry soap, dry packets that you bring with you. They don't take any space in your luggage. Uh, they just slide, you know, they slide right in. They don't weigh anything, and you can wash your clothes if you have to, uh, which is a big benefit if uh, you've ever been in that situation and you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I definitely recommend. If not the Tide Travel Sink Packets, again, you can get these on Amazon. But any kind of dry detergent that is made for washing something in the sink, uh, it's really helpful when I travel. That's, that's interesting. That's cool. That's something I wasn't even familiar with, but I, it definitely interesting. Definitely helpful. Yes. Uh, we'll so, link to Neil, that as well in the show notes. Absolutely. Neil, what do you got? Yeah, so the last one is just sort of a little uh, cost-saving uh, measure that I like to have with me in my uh, luggage at all times. And... Uh, and once again, I, you know, I love going to the parks and I go there so often that I'll bring it up into where it could be useful here, not only uh, in case of bad weather, but even if you go on a ride uh, 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 like uh, some of the water rides uh, in Animal Kingdom there. Um, but I like to go to the dollar store and just pick up a, a bunch of ponchos. Uh, you literally spend a dollar. You could get, I think sometimes they're even a set of two. And... You know, I, I I do understand why people would want to spend money in the parks for certain items that are Disney branded as collectible. Then you get to keep it, you get to wear it again. But ponchos, I feel, are not worth the the um, uh, the, the price in, in Disney World if you could avoid it and have something on hand that you could bring uh, carry with you. 
they're usually rolled up very tight. They can fit into a bag very easily. And for a buck or two to, to have a bunch of ponchos that you could sort of uh, uh, just call on when necessary to avoid the bad weather, that's my uh, that would be my uh, go-to item to have um, in, in a way to do it to save some money. I highly recommend that as well, Neil. Definitely a good choice. Um, Thanks, another one of the, another one of those travel essentials that people don't think about, like laundry detergent. But right. uh, this really it really does help when you're out there and you might keep getting wet. And it could save a lot of money to have it prepared versus being in a uh, uh, some type of store gift shop uh, trying to get the same thing for the same purpose, and you're not going to save it or use it again afterwards. Definitely. So, uh, Neil and Joe, a question for both of you as we conclude this segment. Neil, you mentioned that you go to the dollar store before your trips and get ponchos. Do both of you, before a big trip, go to a store like the dollar store or uh, like a a drugstore where they have a significant travel section and just stock up endlessly on travel size items? (laughs) Or is is that part of your prepping for vacation? (laughs) I do that all the time. I do it even when I'm not traveling because I... (laughs) It just makes me uh, get in the in the travel mood. I, I definitely uh, do that. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Neil? I agree. I agree. In fact, I was actually just at Publix down here in Florida. And when I was living in New Jersey for so long, I was looking for my favorite toothpaste. They used to have it in the travel size. I actually wrote to Colgate to ask why I, I can't find it anymore, even online to order. And they said it's only in a very uh, only very few stores that they still have the Colgate gel that I like. Um, and... Uh, the Colgate Total Gel and not the paste, the gel. And I just saw, just by chance, walking around the Publix that they had, that was the travel size toothpaste that they had. I just loaded up on them. I just stacked up, uh, ruined my chances of using the express aisle, but uh, <laughs> I just uh, loaded up. I, I do enjoy going to get travel size and seeing what they have. Um, uh, and I, you're seeing more and more companies having it. Uh, even uh, I use American Crew product in my hair. I love that. And I saw they have travel size now that fits it for your air, air travel, which uh, mm-hmm. um, is another big one I like to get on. So this was very interesting and informative uh, for all of our listeners. Feel free to write in and tell us what are your travel essentials. We would love to hear it and uh, report on it on future episodes. So um, now we're going to turn to our concluding segment, which is the very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's talk about some stuff we love. And uh, I guess I'll kick things off. And I chose tonight's item because we were talking about travel essentials. This is an item which is specifically made for travel, although I didn't mention it earlier because I can't really say it's an essential item. But I saw a commercial on TV for this thing called the Scott E-Vest. I'm not using that because my name is Scott. But it's actually spelled Scott and then E, the letter E, Vest. And this is a company that makes vests, jackets, and shirts. And the goal of it is to have tons of pockets so that you're able to pack with you in an easy way everything from phones to sunglasses to chargers to cameras, tablets, and more in a shirt, let's say, or a vest that's designed to easily withstand the weight and make it easy to go through security. So the vest I got which is a travel vest with RFID protection. You just put stuff in pockets. It's as easy as that. And then when it comes time to going through security, uh, my vest, by the way, has 26 pockets, although I don't know <laughs> I don't know where all of them are, but they're there. And then when it comes to going to security, I just basically took off my vest 
and uh, made sure I was wearing a shirt underneath. And then I uh, put it on the uh, conveyor belt and it went right through and they were able to scan the vest and saw that it was uh, very no no issues and then i just put the vest back on uh this is not a cheap item but i must say it's very handy and how I've much start- does it go for how much does this vest go for the one Do they that, charge by the pocket the one that i got which is uh rfid protection so it protects against uh theft and so forth was 135 dollars have you have you found yourself uh often before this nervous about not having rfid protection going out let's just say i'm happy to have the vest <laughs> And I find it to be very useful. I loved having it on my recent vacation. And um, it makes the pants in your pocket, it, it makes the uh, pockets in your pants much more comfortable as well uh, because you don't have as much in there. So uh, I recommend can, the Scotty. Can, you, can yeah. you tell us some of the things you never thought you'd carry around, but you started carrying because you had the space? Clearly, you're saying this because you do not own a Scotty vest. (laughs) And and if you did, you'd understand the benefits of it. Uh, I got mine on Amazon. We'll link to that as well. And um, Scott, do you feel when you're walking with the vest on, do you feel the people attempting to get in the pockets with the RFID uh, system? (laughs) Yeah, any any type of RFID skimming going on around you on a regular basis? Uh, Not that I'm aware of, although uh, you never know. (laughs) You never know when you need some RFID protection on you. Yeah. Now, and, what happens once you take it out, though, in the pocket? It's no longer protected, so they could just be waiting for you to use it. Because mo- I would imagine it would be something that would be valuable information there. This fictitious, fantastical world you live in is not worthy <laughs> of the podcast. So, Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, the one thing I want to talk about in the Stuff We Love segment this episode especially uh, because as we're recording, the uh, Winter Olympics are going on, is an Xbox video game called Steep, S-T-E-E-P. And this is reminiscent of the old snowboarding uh, extreme sports video games. It's been out for a couple months now, but with the Olympics coming, they've just released an expansion pack for it. And it's, you know, it's not an amazing AAA title. It is from Ubisoft, but... uh, um, it's just a nice outdoor extreme sports game where you can ski or snowboard down the mountain. You can do wingsuits and parachutes and it's just a, the, the landscapes are beautiful. Um, and it's just a fun game to kind of zone out on, especially now that the Olympics are on and snowboarding and skiing and everything are just this, uh, you know, up in the forefront. So I recommend this game called steep. It's available for Xbox one, PS4 and the PC. Joe, a couple of quick questions on the game. Uh, did you buy it in physical form or digital form? Uh, I bought it in physical form. I always buy everything in physical form, um, except maybe a song or two when I, you know, buy an MP3. But almost everything I buy is physical. I like to have the actual copy of the uh, item. So I did buy this in physical form. It comes in a disc, you know, the usual. And my second question for you about the game is: How difficult is it? Is it the type of game that easily can be picked up on? It's not difficult at all. It's um, it's not so much a simulator as it is an arcade type game. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. I play, you know, I don't play games that often, but when I do, this is good for a half an hour or an hour just to play around and have fun in. Good. It's not, it's not one of those games where you're going to sit there for five hours um, and, you know, really get into it. But, it, I, but it's cheap. Uh, you know, the price has gone down and they just released the expansion pack for the Olympics. So it's pretty fun, which was free, by the way, if you get it on Amazon. I think I'm going to pick this up. Uh, Neil, are you going to pick up this game? Uh, yes, uh, I do plan on this one. 
I didn't it's know anything about it until you just mentioned it. So that's that's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what do you got Definitely. this week? Sure. Um, so uh, I, I don't know how I could top Scott's RFID protective vest, but you can't. The, so that's true. I, I want to add it, one thing, by the way. I just want to add one thing. Not sure. all of the Scotty vests have the RFID protection. Um, I guess I just care more about that stuff than the average person. <laughs> but there are non-RFID protected uh, items as well. But Neil, let's resume your stuff we love segment. Continue. I can see Scott walking somewhere, and it's like the Matrix, and everybody else just kind of freezes around. Uh, do they do they have a bodysuit that has more than twenty six <laughs> pockets? Yeah, what happens if you accidentally put your wallet from an RFID protected source into your back pocket? <laughs> there is a vest or a jacket. I'm not sure which one, which has I think over forty pockets. Well. I have to look into this. Yeah. Yeah. You're not well, man enough to wear. <laughs> I, I actually, I need 41 pockets though. So I have a yeah. problem. Yeah. All right, Neil, continue. Sure. For this week's, uh, for my, my stuff, uh, uh, all right. stuff that I love for this week to talk about, I'm actually not going to speak about an item. They give you a couple items there that are great souvenirs, but uh, also uh, in the Olympic spirit, I just wanted to mention a place that is a lot of fun that might be off uh, a lot of folks' radar screens. Uh, which is Lake Placid, New York, uh, uh, to visit. And one of the reasons I highly recommend this if you're having a lot of fun watching the Winter Olympics right now is not only is it the home to the famous Miracle on Ice uh, where you can uh, see the rink and do a tour and there's an outdoor rink you can skate on, but one of the great experiences there that you can have, which is so unique, is they have a bobsled experience. So while everyone's watching it on TV and may not really have the opportunity to get involved in that sport on some level, if you visit... Uh, Lake Placid, they have a bobsled experience. You can YouTube it. You can see videos. And it's really cool to be able to uh, go bobsledding, get the feeling, get the sensations, uh, experience it. You, they give you a shirt. They give you a, a photo, photo with the team that takes you down there. There's uh, uh, the guy who navigates in the front, the guy who breaks in the back. And it's just a super fun time. And I, I could be wrong, so don't mark my words on this. But I think even if you go in the summer, they do it, but the track is dry and, they, it's, uh, and the bobsled is on wheels. So uh, you could still experience it, but just uh, uh, something that I really enjoy doing. It's such a unique experience to be able to go bobsledding, and uh, I highly recommend that. Great choice, Neil. Thanks, Joe. Very good. Very good. Thank you, thank you, Scott. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Before I uh, give you the wrap-up notes here, some of you may be wondering where our co-host Jack is. Uh, all is well. He's uh, going to be returning to the show soon. He's just tied up with a lot of different things right now. So uh, he'll be back on the show shortly. Um, we want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And I wanted to take you where you could find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, on Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, so please go on there and like us. We're trying to post content on all of these things Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on a more regular basis. We have a website at stuffwelovepodcast.com. You could go there, read a bit about us, visit our products page where you can see some of the things we've recommended on the show and click on links to purchase those items. The show benefits when you do that if you go through Amazon, so that would be great if you could. We uh, can be reached at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Write in, share with us, with us your thoughts on the show. And please go on iTunes and leave us those five-star reviews. They're very helpful in developing uh, new audience listeners as well. So that would be great. Uh, our listenership is quite strong. We're very proud of that. But we're, of course, looking to grow it even more. So uh, thanks again. Um, I'll go around the table one more time. I am Scott. 
I'm Joe. I'm Neil. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Stuff We Love podcast.